This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Um, Welcome to Revolution. Uh, We are here from Caleb's apartment where he's back because he had, uh, you know, broke his leg and he's back in action back home and uh, he's over here this time rather than over there. So we have our very sophisticated logo. That's all digital. It doesn't even exist. (laughs) We had the people from Disney make that for us. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where all the money goes, right there. Logo design. Um, Yeah, so it's been... We're crazy week back at uh, back in the uh, COVID nineteen world. I hope you guys are all hanging in there. Um, been uh, <laughs> quarantining as usual, which is still an adventure with two toddlers. Um, but we've had a lot of fun and watched uh, watched some fun Garfield. My son loves Garfield. And lasagna nice. now, <laughs> and uh, he has. Does a t- he hate Mondays. Also, he hate Mondays too, and he has this little Garfield. My son does that. It's really cute. He hides it all over the house to, for me to find, and then I'm like, "Oh, Garfield!" And he's like, "Garfield just is all over the house, Dad. He just go, you know, it's like the Elf on the Shelf, but Garfield edition." But he's four and a half, so it's really cute that he does this. And I'll hide it under my pillow, so when I come to bed. He's like, I know you love it, and I saw it at a garage sale, and I knew Papa had to have it, so Aww. it's adorable. Um, since this is my community, let you guys know, um, I can't really go into details, but I had a really tough week last week. Um, last week was one of the toughest I've had in a while. Um, but, you know, I'm really grateful that I went through what I went through in the past year and a half and therapy and things like that because I'm learning to kind of live life on life's terms which can be really really difficult sometimes um just living in acceptance even when things get dark and when things get tough and uh out of your control you know um I've had some some family who's been sick and different things like that. And it's just been, you know, one of those things where you just have to kind of go like, Hey, this is out of my control. I have to accept it and, uh, and deal with it. So yeah, I'm there. I'm in the, I'm in the thick, even right before the talk, I was like, oh, I'm kind of having a panic attack, but luckily, cause I've gone through DBT, which is called dialectic behavioral therapy. I just kind of let it, let those thoughts go and move on and, and do that. Well, today, um, Jay, I think you need to reset the video. Really? Yeah, I I can't get it, and my family members are saying they can't get it. Are you you're on the revolution? Forty one. Okay. Is it not revolution? Yeah, you, no. You're logged in. Okay. Viewers. Okay. I don't know. okay. Are you guys? Um, real quick question. Are you guys getting the video? Okay. We have a few people saying they're having a hard time getting the video. Oh, thank you for the blessing. Um, okay. All right, well, we'll see. Onwards and upwards. 
onwards and upwards. Um, so today, yeah, everybody's saying yes. Okay. <laughs> We've got, um, I, I guess I should just call the last few few studies, um, you know, going through insurrection because honestly I've been reading Pete's book and um, it's pretty amazing. Um, Pyrotheology is uh, Pete's theology that comes out of his work with philosophy and different theologies and different thoughts. And um, it's really powerful. I want to like, just be like everybody who's watching this should go get this book. Um, Pete's my best friend. And luckily we were best friends for years before I read this book. I actually was hanging out at his house when, when he was um, writing this book. And I'll talk a little bit about that Um, back in the day when we were, he was in Connecticut and I was in New York and we basically became roommates because his house was much nicer than mine. Um, and we were both depressed men uh, getting through life. Um, but yeah, so today I, I want, I, you know, I'm going to grab my Bible. Um, today we're going to talk about, can you guess what verse, where the verse is from today? Caleb, can you guess? Survey says Galatians. Galatians. Even Pete Rollins likes Galatians. You can't really go wrong with Galatians. Um, Is there any other book? Yeah, the only book that matters. Just like Clash was the only band that matters. Um, I think what today is what I, I hope a lot of you will do is hang on and listen because I think there's going to be some moments where you go like, I don't know about this. And... So you kind of need to listen to the whole talk. It's not one of those talks where you just you jump in and jump out. You know, if you get offended, know that down the down the road you might hear what you need to hear. Um, so let's look at that. And I'm going to be reading from Galatians three um, twenty eight. Actually, one of my favorite ones of Galatians. Favorites of favorites. Um, and we're going to talk about Pete's thoughts on it. Um, maybe kind of his interpretation um, of it, his radical interpretation, but also really looking into what it actually says and what it means for us as Christians and kind of what being a Christian is. So this is an important one, and I think this definitely links up really good with the resurrection talk and the crucifixion talk. Um, So, you know, those three, I think we're all going to be interrelated. And if you haven't heard those, you can go back and listen. Um, so Galatians 3, 28 says, uh, there is, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise. Now, what we're going to focus on is our identities and how those are seen in society and, and what we do with our identities. Um, obviously, identities play a huge part in our lives and in politics. And, um, and, and so it's like the video is mirrored every week. Revolution's logo is backwards. Oh, no. 
talk to her. You have to pay a lot of money to get that flipped. It's a big deal to get it flipped. Um, but here's the idea is, is what, what does Paul mean when he says there is no longer Jew, Greek, there is no longer slave or free, there is no longer male or female? Um, what does it mean? This is, this is the hard question. So let's look at Rollins, uh, Dr. Rollins's insurrection and see what he has to say. Um, and then I'm going to add my own spin to it. Make, make, you know, clean it up a little bit. <laughs> um, if you're following along in your insurrection books, we're on page 165. Um, Pete says, uh, each of these categories, Jew, Greek, slave or free, male or female, represented a fundam- fundamental division that existed in the time. Jew, Greek described religious divisions. Slave, free described political division. And male and female, male described biological division. One location in each of these categories describes one place, a role, and a value in society. So let's look at what our identities kind of, what kind of role they play in society. Um, Pete goes on to say, these divisions were seen to be divinely given and part of a natural order. Now, I, I think that's how a lot of us see our identities and why so many of us relate to why our politics become so important and our identities get tied up within our politics. And um, often rather than being like, oh, I'm a Christian liberal or I'm a Christian conservative. It's like they're conservative Christian. They're a liberal Christian. Do you see what I'm saying? Like that title becomes for beforehand, you know, I'm a white male Christian or I'm a gay Christian or I'm this Christian, you know, so it's like this is what I am and then I'm a Christian. And I think Paul is saying, I don't, is Paul, well, question is, is Paul saying we should just be Christians, you know, um, and, and, and lose that identity? You know, earlier on in, 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 in uh, Galatians, Paul is confronting Peter, um, the, the apostle, the disciple, saying, you know, because Peter was refusing to sit with Gentiles um, and saying, you know, we can't do this, we can't have this type of separation. But I think Paul is going even further than saying we we change one identity for another identity. So, you know. But Paul's radical message was that Christ, the, through these identities, are robbed of their defining power. Paul here describes how Christianity cuts across the political, culture, and biological divisions, rendering them all null. Now that's... That's a big, pretty big statement, um, you know, that Christianity cuts across our politics. And it's strange because I do remember like last Christmas um, when I was having a, a political conversation with my father. And I said, Dad, you know, we're sitting here focusing on, you know, I'm liberal, you're conservative. I said, but that's not what binds us together. Isn't our faith what binds us together? Isn't that what's most important? You know, isn't this kind of a second tier argument that we're having? You know, we both are Christians, you know, 
that have different political beliefs. So should these political beliefs divide us? Of course not, because we have something greater that unites us. But I think Paul's even going to go further than that. And, uh, and, 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 and Pete Rollins is going to even go further with that and, and see that. Um, this does not mean that there were no longer men or women any more than it means there were no longer slave or free. It meant, however, that these categories no longer defined the scope and limitations of one's world. The Christian community was called to experience the loss of power that the liberation and the liberation that resulted. So, you know, calling us to give up our power goes, in other words, Paul was saying that these earthly distinctions were no longer uh, no longer to define or constrain us. In the new collective founded on Christ, these identities are to be radically cut through. So, you know, the Christian community was called to experience the loss in their power and the liberation of these that's resulted. So you're not just giving up your, um, your privilege, but you're also giving up your liberation. And um, that's pretty crazy. You know, it's one thing to be like, I'm going to give up my power. I'm going to step down. I'm going to, you know, give up my influence, um, my privilege, you know, which we all try to do. But, but uh, it's another thing to say, like, I'm also going to give up my, the liberation, which is pretty interesting. Um, Pete goes on to say, and I'm just going to continue to repeat until something hits me. Um, I'm going to jump around. So that's why I want you to read this book, because I kind of feel like I'm leaving out a lot of really cool stuff that he says to connect a lot of this. Um, but for time, I need to jump around. Um, jump up, jump up, and get down. Um, this means saying that, well, we remain true to Paul's message only by including the various identities that define our place, role, and value in society today. This means saying that in the community founded on Christ, there is neither. Now, this is where it gets tough, and this is where I think a lot of people are going to have questions. And the strange thing is, is I remember when Pete was writing this book, um, when I would stay at his house, I would sleep until 11 and he would get up at 6 a.m. and he would just write, you know. And so I'd wake up and he would just be like, you know, and then we could go hang out. Um, I did nothing and he wrote books. Um, (laughs) But this is where I think a lot of people might want to push back. But I'm going to say, hold on. We got to get there first. So... um, So this means saying that in the community founded on Christ, there is neither black nor white, neither rich nor poor, neither powerful nor powerless. Now that's, I think, where we're all going to go like, eh. Um, There is neither Republican nor Democrat. Hello. Um, Liberal nor conservative. Orthodox nor heretic. Indeed, in the spirit of this text, we must push further. So it's saying these things that are our identities, which are important to us, are saying, but Paul is saying these don't exist. Matter of fact, we've got to even push further with this. So how do we push further with this idea? Um, 
I'm going to read a little bit. He 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 reads from one of the. Uh, he reads. I'm going to write here. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Back in there. you were baptized. This is more part of Galatians into Christ, having clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither high church nor then he adds his own. Now listen to this. There is neither high church nor low church, Catholic nor Protestant, citizen nor alien, capitalist nor communist, gay nor straight. Beautiful nor ugly, east nor west, theist nor atheist, Israel nor Palestine, American nor Iraq, married nor divorced, uptown nor downtown, terrorist nor freedom fighter, for we are all made one in Christ Jesus. So he takes this and makes us see the power of this verse. And I think a lot of people have tried to... um, take the power from this verse a lot of times. Um, and I think Paul says it here. Uh, well, Peter says it here. Um, the vision of Paul is often domesticated, yeah, by those who would wish to turn the radical vision on its head and claim that he really means that we must lay down all earthly identities in order to be taken up another identity, that of being Christ. Now, do you see what he's saying? He's like, this is a domesticated version of saying will lay down our identities to pick up Christian. You know, that being a Christian is my new identity. And so that's what a lot of people would think is like, you know, so new Jew, new Gentile, slave nor free, you know, male nor female, because we're all Christians. And that's what a lot of the church does is, is like, we're Christians and we're all Christians and we're united through Christ. And somehow that makes us even more superior. But we're missing the point. Superiority is not the point of what we're trying to talk about here. Um, you know, so, and I, I like it. There's already, I'm already seeing pushback from people on, in the comments. <laughs> and that's great. But I told you to hold on. Um, okay, Greg. Um, <laughs> so, hold on. We're going to get there. Um, but I, but I love this. I, I, I love this because it, because we all just want to be. Oh, we're all Christians, you know. And it gets really uncomfortable when, yeah, when Pete says things like neither terrorist nor freedom fighter. But the thing is, we've got to remember, a freedom fighter in our eyes is a terrorist in someone else's eyes. So we're we're going we're going to a hard place. We're looking at hard stuff. If this is this is this is this is hard stuff. This is this is adult stuff. This is um you know, this this is is taking your faith to another level. This is dying to your flesh. This is um taking up your cross. I mean, this is the st- this is where this faith becomes something more than just, oh, I say a prayer, I have a belief system and now I'm a Christian. You know, we're, we're getting much 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 further than that. And for me, I think the hardest one for me was when Pete first told me what he was writing this, and I, I was like, oh, that makes me nervous, is when he said there's neither gay nor straight because I was working on gay rights, you know, or that there's neither black nor white because black people have been treated horrible in our country. I mean, you know, a group of people who were brought over as slaves and then made free, but when they were made free, they were given nothing to help them. They weren't given land like everybody else and things like that. So I was like, oh, this is tough. But I had to go even further, and it, oh, I was just like, Pete, I don't know. And he's like, no, let me explain it to you. And he explains it in the book as well. And that's why I'm saying, hold on. Um, 
So this domesticated idea of, of it is says that we find a new identity and the identity that we, we give up those identities to become the identity of Christian. But it goes further than that. All identities are thus rendered impotent, okay? Not important, but impotent in relation to this unique super identity. No, it's not a new super identity. However, what Paul is not saying that there is one identity that renders all other moot, but rather that it in very given up all of our identities, we identify directly with Christ. Now, did you hear that? I'm going to read it one more time because I feel like I'm going a little bit fast, but I want to go get through this. What if Paul is not saying that there is one identity, Christianity, that renders all others moot, okay? But rather that there, that in the very giving up of all our identities, including Christianity, we identify directly with Christ as Christ lost everything on the cross. So what if giving up all identity, including Christian? including whatever, uh, freedom fighter or, or terrorist or, you know, whatever. You know, and I know that I, this, I'm a straight white male and coming from a straight white male, I was like, oh, you know, this is the high the hierarchy. Um, you know, but I will also go dangerously say that this week kicked my ass and it didn't care who I was or what I was. It, 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 the pain... In the sickness and the situations that I was put in, it did not give a damn about what I was, you know, what privilege I had or what privilege I did not have. Um, and maybe years later, I'll be able to share some of the stuff with you. Some I'll be able to share with you soon, other maybe never. Um, so, here Christianity is yet another positive identity worldview or mythology that can be placed alongside all others but it's rather the name we give to the act of laying these down so in a way and i wrote down some notes myself is we talked about the lack uh, a few weeks ago and that sin as lack and like you know i lack hair you know and i could deny my lack by putting on a um a wig you know but i kind of meet in the middle and just wear a hat so i accept the lack but in some ways, I still have this tradition of covering the lack. Or I could just do this and completely embrace the lack. Um, and he's saying, so in a way, we're, we're going to embrace this lack that is in life, that nothing can meet. Um, man, this is heavy stuff. It gets me really excited. Um, so this Christianity becomes the name of laying down all these identities. Um, the Christian community is not then distant because they embraced yet another or, or distinct yet because they embraced yet another identity, but rather it is unique in the way that that would lay down the various identities that would otherwise define us. Oh gosh. So we're laying down the very things that uh, define us. Um, this reading claims that Paul is directly attacking the unyielding social division that ex- existed in his day, division that ensured some people, Jew, free, and male, had more access to true and good than others, Gentile, slave, or female. Great equalizer. Okay, we have the great equalizer here. Now, I'm going to give you a side note for me, is in my work... Um, 
why I feel like I feel like I'm not I'm not a progressive or a conservative um, is because I feel like we, we we can work for justice for all. I think we all go through pain. We all have lack. We all have this thing that, in a way, the pain and the lack is more powerful to draw us together than than the names that we claim, than the politics that we claim that so divide us. I think there's something, this gap, this lack, this this space that would allow us to come together as humans in humanity in a way that's very powerful um, that would allow us to look at these issues because all these 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 uh, identities come along with different issues and, and, and different desires um, and, and different lacks and different injustices um, that need to be faced. But I believe with somewhere within this lack can bring us together in such a community that we can work on these issues on injustice and different things like that in a way that is way more productive, way more healthy, and uh, much less divisive. Um, it creates a table for us all to sit at with none of these identities where no one is superior um, to strip these down and to have the hard conversations. And um, because unfortunately, when we scapegoat other people, or, or like recently I saw a, a progressive Christian comparing Trump to Hitler, you know, and to me, that's just lazy thinking. You know, you know, Trump has not put many millions of people in ovens. You know, I mean, it's just it's it's just not a, a fair comparison. Um, I, I mean, I'm not a fan, but I'm just saying that's I'm not going to go there. You know, and what it does is it's lazy thinking. It, it, it keeps us from having the complicated conversations, and uh, it, it, it scapegoats that person and it scapegoats his followers as Nazis, and just creates a greater division. And Paul, if you know the Apostle Paul, and if you're Paulinian at all, like I am, you realize that Paul was continuously fighting against this division that he was continuously seeking unity to the point of even alienating Peter and confronting Peter, who, um, who, who was definitely above him, you know, definitely seen above him, definitely seen as the head of the church. But he said, we can't have this split. You know? um, back to earlier to when someone said, you know, oh, I'm worried about the, you know, the comparison of freedom fighter versus uh, 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 terrorist, you know, um, but what we're looking at is, is, is almost having such a common ground that those two identifiers aren't needed because we are able to, by taking those titles away, by taking those images away, by taking those things away, we, instead of bomb each other and destroy each other, we have the hard conversations, we do the hard work. Um, it's tough to see that, and, but this is, this is more of hope for the future because this is something that if we really want to... Um, have if we want to see um, uh, a, a, a uh, revolution? Not a revolution. I mean, a revolution would be nice. Um, Martin Luther. Re- a reformation? A reformation. If we want to see a reformation, these are things that we have to do to create this reformation. And we all have to start living in, a, in this lack and, and not allowing us ourselves to be... Um, Distracted by these, by by what society tells us we must be. So in some ways, this is a very punk rock ethic. 
Mm-hmm. You know, in some ways, this is almost an anarchic way of thinking. Uh, whew, sorry. I'm a little intense right now. <laughs> um, all right. The reading claims, I'm going to read this again, that Paul is directly attacking the unyielding social division that existed in his day, division that ensured some people, Jew, free, or male, had more access to the truth and good than others, gentle, slave, or female. Now, I'm going to jump over here. I promise you that this will hopefully all make sense one day. Um, Pete says, um, In this way, we can approach Paul's statement in the book of Galatians as describing of how the very act of becoming nothing, we identify with Christ. We could even say that Christ there is neither Christian, that in Christ there is neither Christian nor non-Christian. For the word Christian itself now refers to the embrace of a concrete identity with, with with, with a concrete mythology. Rather than the reunicate, uh, reunification. reunification reunification of these, so what we're saying is is um, so if Christianity there's neither Christian nor non Christian, um, what we're saying is we're surrendering this idea of that Christian is another identity that we just pick up that we just trade one identity for another, and that's often happens when we when people give up faith mm-hmm. is that. They don't give up legalism. They don't give up the anger. They don't give up some of the things that were really messy about the belief system that actually pulled them out. They just trade another identity for another. So now I'm an atheist. Now I'm an agnostic. Now I'm this. You know. Now I've just returned, just traded another identifier. You know, for another. You know, I've just traded them out. You know, um, rather than. Than another identity rather than stripping myself of identity in order to have a hard conversation and see what exists within that gap mm. you know what's in what's what's in that before I go here to here what's here you know can we live here some people would say it's the tension you know but I, I want to call it the lack right now can we go into this lack and can we all sit within this lack and maybe come to a place where these are secondary I should have a, a marker board so I could draw. But, of course, everything would be backwards, so then I'd have to <laughs> learn how to write backwards. Um, identifying with Christ, then, does not involve a way of adding some new interpretation to the world, but rather involves an act of subtraction in which we lay aside our various interpretations of the world. You know, um, I'm going to jump down a little bit more. Like I said, you really should read Insurrection because I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of really good stuff. Um, the intellectual rejection does not prevent my du- direct and total participation in these identities. We don't have to believe in, this, in the various roles that are given to us by our political or religious or social context. We can even laugh at them. Now, that's pretty crazy. You know, it's like, I'm going to laugh at what you tell me that I am. Because I, I find the absurd. I find it absurd. You know, you've given me this identity and said, this is who I am. You know, and it's true because I've been told I'm this and this and this. You know, oh, you're a punk or you're a Christian or you're 
heterosexual straight white male or you're this, you know, and then you go into a situation where you go into uh, you have a mental breakdown and all those structures and all that identity and all the things that politics and society gives me to say that you I have all of a sudden are stripped. I'm completely stripped. doesn't matter. What I do, I take a thing of pills because I don't want to live anymore. I just want to surrender life completely. And what is one thing that we all have in common? Death. You know, we all die. What else? Another thing we all have in common? Suffering. What's another thing we all have in common? Happiness. You know, these are different things that we that can bring us together, and that we can experience within this this gap. I hope Pete never sees this because he'll think I'm bastardizing his work. <laughs> um, All right, I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff because we don't have all day. I wish we did. Now, I, I, this is this is uh, this is the part that I was telling you to wait for right here. Okay, everybody. Of course, an opaque, biblical, socialistic, symbolic background can, continues in us. Of course, we cannot forget our gender, our sexual preference our political op- opinions, our nationalities, etc. But while being within them, we can find ourselves no longer of them. Do you see what he says there? Mm. So everything where he said, you know, neither gay nor straight nor, nor terrorist nor freedom fighter nor this nor that, okay, those are still part of it. It's, it's not that they're all just disappear. It's like, no, some like, oh, we don't vote anymore, you know, we're, we are, we don't think this anymore. Um, but what he's saying is, is, we we can we'll still be within them, but we can find ourselves no longer of them. They are no longer what makes us who we are. They are no longer the marker of what we are. We're still in them. I'm still a straight heterosexual white male, you know. Um, but I'm no longer of that. I'm in it. I'm experiencing it. In society, what society says but I'm not of it. There's certain people that I can sit with or I have conversations with and those aren't things that are, are, are those identity markers, those identity are stripped. Um, Pastor Lawrence, who we've, who's spoken at Revolution before and we've interviewed for Meet Your Congregation is a great example of, of, of me and Pastor Lawrence coming together and we both just, our identities just kind of melt away. And um, not even Christian, you know, and we just have really good conversation, sometimes really tough conversation. Um, But it it makes life stronger. It makes life better. Um, So so it's interesting. I'm still going to go on and, and, and try to get to the end to explain this a little bit more. So what Paul is, Pete says here, what Paul insisted, no, what Paul instead describes is the very way of life that starts right here and right now, right here and right now, just starts right here and right now, in the very midst of the world, we enact crucifixion and resurrection here in the place where we currently stand. 
Jesus, when Jesus is described, it says Jesus did not claim to his right as God. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, and I'm going to do some questions after this so we can, you know, folks, if you want to really push back, we'll do some Q&As afterwards, too. I, 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 and I'll, and I'll, I'll talk, we'll talk this out a little bit, which I think it'll be good for us to kind of flush it out a little bit, too. Um, but, but, but remembering, you know, that suffering with Christ is Christ has given up his power, doesn't claim his power as God, doesn't claim to be equal with God, and then is forsaken by God on the cross and forsaken by his friends, forsaken by his religion, forsaken by all people, and is completely lost and empty and emptied everything out and has no identity except for a common criminal who has no worth on the cross. And I think this is where Paul is trying to take us is when he says we are all one in Christ. I think he's literally saying we are one with Christ on that cross together. The murderer, the prisoner, the president, we are all one with Christ in that moment. The fact is 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 some of us have that information and some of us don't. And unfortunately, we've domesticated it in the church so we don't look at it. And so it's not radical and it's not revolutionary anymore. And, you know, it's not causing um, us to reform the church when this is the type of thing that should be reforming the church and reforming identity politics and who we are together as a community. Um. So someone I saw mentioned the gaps in the comments, and, and this is very interesting, is because it says, um, the truth is not found in the conservative, liberal, evangelical, fundamentalist, or orthodox traditions, but in the spaces in between these traditions and in the gap that exists within them. Gaps which open them up to ever new apocalyptic possibilities. So are we ready for a new apocalyptic possibility? Are we willing to live within the gap? Are we really literally willing to be neither male nor female nor Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor Republican nor conservative? Are we willing to allow these identities? I don't think a lot of us are, honestly. I would even say that some of you on here aren't, you know, because you're having uh, struggles probably saying, well, this one identity I can't give up. This one thing I can't see past. You know, and what I'm asking you to do is to challenge yourself and think about this. I want you to think on this. My whole thing is not to convince you how to believe or tell you what to believe, but what I want you to do is to think about it, to look into it. That's why I'm saying read Pete's book, Insurrection, and think about this. This is pyrotheology, Pete's theology, and I will say this, and I actually texted Pete yesterday and said, man, you know, I hate to say it, but I, I think I prescribe to pyrotheology. I'm think I'm into this thing, and then he said, "Why well, will mark this day as the downfall of pyrotheology?" As loving Irish people like to say, um, <laughs> compliment, insult, insult, compliment. It's how they show love. All right, we're almost done, and then we're going to have a really hard conversation, folks. Um. One of the things that 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 Pete challenges us to do, and he says, 
and says that we're asked to do by Paul's message here is that we are asked to embrace the world while never being fully identified with it. To be in the world but not of it. And that's a hard one to handle. Um, and an example he goes is like, in the same way you may attend a Presbyterian church but should never think of ourselves as Presbyterians. You know, I might go to Revolution Church but I'm not a revolutionary revolution person. You know what I mean? It's just saying like I might be a you know, I might go to do certain things. I might, you know, I might be, a, I might have liberal leanings and be a liberal, but I am not going to think of myself as just a liberal. Because when I put that on me, when I put that construct on me, when I put that, that label on me, then I have to live within a certain identity and a certain way of thinking. And it's like often when I tell people I'm a Christian, Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I'm a Christian. You know, and they're like, well, what kind of Christian are you? Um, when I was on dating sites. <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, I'm a pastor. You know, and they're like, oh, what, do you hate gay people? And do you hate that? You know, I'm like, no, I'm not that kind. You know, because I had that, that liberal, I had that thing. So I have to, oh, I'm a liberal Christian. Oh, so you think this is okay? And you think this? And then you think, oh, and then you think all these people are bad then. I'm like, ugh. Well, no, no, I don't think all those people are bad. Um, I know a lot of good, uh, wait, but you're this. Do you see all of a sudden what our identity is doing? Not only is it giving us something to be proud of, but it's also limiting who we are in society. And it's allowing society to decide who we are and what we believe in certain standards. Oh, you're a punk, so you must believe in this ethic and you must believe in this idea. I mean, one of the greatest things that The Clash did was is they did this amazing punk album and then they continued to create music that was not punk, that was outside of punk, and it was the most punk thing they could do, you know, is by creating new sounds and new music and new this and, and, and rapping on one of their freaking albums. You know, and people are like, what are you doing? You can't do this. You know, that's not punk. And we have the world telling us, you can't do this if you're a liberal. You can't do this if you're conservative. You can't do this if you're progressive. You can't do this if you're LGBTQ. You can't say this if you're uh, – or do this if you're, you know, a white male. You can't do this if – you know. And so society creates this thing that we're in. And I'm going, I'm not going to do what society tells me to do. I'm going to live within the gap. You know, I, and, and it's hard – you know, and for me it's hard to be called a Christian because of everything that comes along with. But I hope – that one day we can redefine this term. I think we, hopefully we can have people like um, Pete Rollins' ideas and Shlavo Zizak's and, and uh, Apostle Paul and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And these ideas of what Christianity could really be and represent uh, to be alive. And then hopefully if we once then that gets into a box, the next generation of people will come along and say, okay, what's the gap here? Because this is now it's here because we all we just continue to create a system and then someone else can say how do we get out of this system you know um, Pete also says here um, he goes in order to invite people into a liturgical space one needs to reflect the experience of the loss of the structure itself. Um, I'll give you an example of how this structure works and how the identity works. 
is um, for me when I was a kid and my parents lost everything and their church fell apart and they kind of became the laughing stock and they were kicked out of their denomination. But so my dad still had this thing of he was seen as an evangelical Christian, uh, low church, um, Assemblies of God pastor who screwed up and went to prison. Now, when he went to prison, it was only seen as that other evangelical preachers, other conservative preachers could come in and visit him or help restore him or reach out to my family and help my family. You know, I, I didn't see Lutherans come in and going like, how can we help you? Now, we're all Christians. So there's that other identity. We're all Christians. And supposedly they're neither male nor female, neither high church nor low church. But people felt like, no, we can't really help in this situation because that's not our tribe. That's not our tribe right there. You know, so we can't reach out to this group. So those identities just continue to sliver and create new identities and new identities and different identities that continue to limit us and then limit the way we think and go like, well, I can't reach out to that person or I can't affect those people because um, because I'm this. Or it's not really my place because I'm this and they would never accept me. Because they think this about me. I know what I'm asking you is almost impossible and crazy, but remember, it's not me asking, it's Pete. <laughs> um, um, Rollin says, Authentic collectives based upon the crucifixion and resurrection then will be marked by the way that they reflect this central experience in their prayer, music, and liturgy. Now, unfortunately, revolution doesn't have any of those things, so we'll move on. Um, But not only questioning social, political, and church identity, we, as we see in Christ, who was abandoned by his friends, the religious community, and political system, but in bringing about the very loss and the ultimate grounding as we see in in Christ's cry to God. So Jesus is grounding everything, his foundation, everything was lost on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, why have you forsaken me? The ultimate grounding is gone and left without his feet. Brings about the very loss of the ultimate grounding. That's the type of communities that we need to have. And what I love and I feel lucky about revolution, and I feel really, really happy about is that we have conservatives that we have liberals that we have Christians that we have uh, atheists theists agnostics I mean I'm always surprised by the different folks who who are part of our community mm-hmm. you know and that we've gotten there that we've gotten a lot of this place and that we're honest to God when we sit in those rooms together when we talk to each other online when we those when we're here online together our identities aren't wound up in those different things. Like I see a lot of you talking to each other and I bet I, I know some of you and I know your political beliefs and I know they're completely opposite and you're enjoying this talk. You're coming together. We're sharing in this challenge together. We're sharing in this like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with this, 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 this gap together. I don't know if I like that. I don't know if I want to give up my identity. You know, And we're sharing that together because we're not even sure what each other's identities are. That's pretty amazing. Um, it can be hard to give up 
Now listen to this. I think this is great. I think this is genius. Don't tell Pete I said that. He'll never listen to this, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but it can be so hard to give up easy answers and face up to our feelings of finitude. Did you hear that? Because honestly, I think by continuously allowing these identities to dictate who we are and dictate who we see others is easy. I really do. I mean, I, I think we just we want the easy way out and we have lazy thinking. You know, I think... Um, I just see so much of it. I just see so much of a scapegoating that it's just lazy thinking that is really doing nothing but dividing us, causing us to ostracize one another and even causing some of us to die and kill each other because it's just such simplistic thinking and that we're not willing to look deeper into it. We're not willing to share the human experience together. We're not sure to allow our suffering to bring us together. And I think suffering is a big thing. You know, I, I mean, I believe that grace is the freedom of the pursuit of happiness. It's freedom from the pursuit of happiness. Um, so Rollins says here, it can be so hard to give up on easy answers and face up to our feelings of finitude and meaninglessness and guilt. But it is not the role of the Christian community to provide some escape from these Rather, such a community offers a way for us to confront them and affirm them together. So, if you're going to church for escape because you like the music and you like to feel good, no, I, you know, I meet people there. Who cares what the pastor says? Revolution is really not the spot for you, um, because we're here to try to deal with really hard issues and talk about stuff that you know we're really working through. I'm working through this. I don't have this arrived. I, you know, I bring things to you that I'm working through and that I'm thinking about. Um, I, I'm not like most pastors. I'm not perfect. Um, uh, but, you know, this is the community. This is what revolution has always been and has always wanted to be, is a place where we come together and we don't have the easy answers. You know, we don't go like, oh, yeah, if this guy gets in, we're all good. You know, if we just do this, it'll be fine. Well, if you just stop doing that, you'll be cool. Well, if we all agree on this one thing together, there's, there's one thing that brings us all together, and that's it. And that's usually in church, that's faith. But in revolution, we don't have that. That's not what brings us together. What brings us together is uh, a common humanity, uh, empathy and sympathy and, uh, and loss and hope. Those are the things that bring us together. Not Jesus not politics, but the gap, the lack. The lack has brought us together as a community. And that is tough. And I'd rather it not be. I'd rather have answers. I'd rather have certainty. I understand why certainty is so addicting. I'd rather be able to tell you that person is bad, this person is good, and this is how we do it. Now, I can tell you on a simplistic level how I feel about certain people and why I think certain people are bad or some people are good, but that is not fair because I don't know all those people in that community. I do not know all those people who subscribe to that um, identity. So I don't want to have 
easy thinking anymore. Life is so hard. This week was so hard. I see so many of you suffering, losing loved ones, going through things, self-doubt. Life is tough, and I'm not going to sit here and sell you a bill of goods. In the same way, it is not the job of community, of faith, to offer ways to escaping and the suffering that is part of being human, namely the anxiety brought about by the sense of death, (laughs) meaninglessness, and guilt, but rather a form to form a space in which it can be acknowledged and worked through. So where we can acknowledge, we can come together as a group and acknowledge the anxiety brought on by the fact that we're all going to die. I mean, I have, it's backwards for you, but I have life ends tattooed on my fingers. And it reminds me to live life well because that's life ends is something that happens. Life ends for all of us. And it was very, very important for me at that time of my life when I got this to remind myself of that. So we create a space. We come together as Christians who are saying even our identity as Christians is not how we identify. But we come together as a community that is going to face the anxiety brought about by the sense of death and meaninglessness in this life. You know, that doesn't mean that we don't, we don't fight for equal rights. That doesn't mean we don't fight for social justice. That doesn't mean we don't fight for... These are all things that I believe in. I believe in... And to be honest with you, getting to this point of facing death, facing anxiety, and facing these things, I've gotten to the point where I see I want to be a universalist fighter for justice. For all people. Or at least, you know, those people I, I don't agree with, seeing them as... Uh, 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 sitting with them and talking to them because I think they're victims of misinformation rather than my enemies. You know, um, earlier someone had asked about terrorists. A lot of times terrorists become terrorists because if you look back in their history, their country was bombed or blown up or destroyed and they were killed and they were persecuted and now they want revenge. You know, and we go like, oh, yeah, it's simple thinking. But it makes sense, and that kind of history repeats itself if we stay in the ideas and the thoughts of simplistic thinking. That constant, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. That's why grace comes in, the idea of the concept of grace that's being accepted by something greater than yourself, where we forgive one another, where we give one another grace, even though it doesn't seem fair, even though that grace is completely anarchy because it has no rules or regulations to who gets it and who doesn't give it. We live in that concept of grace where we go, all of a sudden, I don't have to get revenge because I recognize this person's pain and suffering and hurt and loss because I have it too. You know, and those feelings, those experiences of living life on life's terms are greater than the fact that they're Catholic and I'm Protestant. Um, so I hope we can continue to be that church. And I hope this continues to challenge you. Um, and, and, uh, we continue to be a space that revolution has continued a space for all of us uh, to, to acknowledge our anxieties, our fears of meaninglessness and guilt. Um, 
So thanks for listening, and um, it's time to have the the afterglow. I haven't used that word in a while. Um, and, and do some Q&As. And we've got Caleb on the mic who's going to read some of these questions. And I think there's been some good comments through the whole talk. Yeah. I try to ignore them so it doesn't completely screw up my sermon. But, um, yeah, let's see what we can do, if it's even worth what we can come up with. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so one good one just to kind of start us off is Roberta asks for clarification. She says, so what you're saying is what separates us, the gap, can bind us together? I'm kind of confused. Yeah, well... Okay, I'm going to try to explain this. Um, identity for me would be like, here's an identity of uh, conservative, and here's the identity of of uh, liberal. And we're fighting, we're arguing, and there's kind of this space of, of, of no identity or a space here where, you know, what the, the, it could even be a, something that connects us is the fear of death or the fear of being irrelevant um, or the fear of, of being guilty and not doing enough. And what we do is we go, what's keeping us apart is my identity as this liberal because I'm a liberal and you're conservative and we don't agree on this and you don't agree on this. But there's something here where we can embrace the fear and life of depression and anxiety of life and and take these identities and go, they're still part of us. We still have them, but there's something greater in life. And there's that gap. There's that gap there that brings us together. The gap of that emptiness, um, the unspoken suffering that can allow us to be in community. And that's what happens, uh, why I said revolution, is that why we're able to come together with different political beliefs, different religious beliefs, um, definitely different theological beliefs in a system and come together through a common humanity um, uh, because there's a lack. There's something missing that we're all saying like, we're, we're, I'm a Christian, I'm going, there's something missing from my Christianity. You're conservative. Oh, there's something missing from that. That's not giving me the answers. You know, this is there's a brokenness and an uncertainty that can bring us together. Does that make sense? I mean, do you, what do you think on it? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I think that we're kind of dancing with defining lack, maybe in in a couple different ways. Like um, you referred to lack as sin, and in a sense, almost embracing the sin, embracing the lack. Um, I think that at the heart of it is kind of a question of we're not gonna we're not gonna fill the lack. Yeah, the lack is essentially there and is is always there. We're united in a pursuit of satisfaction. And another uh, way to phrase that is um, like yeah, have, having lack and then having the pursuit of the satisfaction of the lack, which yeah. is just a big philosophical concept and. So, yeah, embracing and realizing that, that that lack isn't going anywhere and that's an okay thing and are trying to fill that lack with temporal solutions is is part of life. It's not going to give us an eternal, oh, got it, like locked in the final answer, but that's part of the game. You know, you're going to 
digest and excrete the food that you eat, but you still have to keep eating it. Right. You have to keep trying to fill the, the literal lack, you know, in your stomach. And I don't think this is anything that happens overnight by any means. I still hold on to lots of parts of my identity, identities. And, um, but I think if we can take the, our identities off the altar and not allow them to be gods, it's a really good place to start. Yeah. The idea, um, another, a quick thought that I had, I see people are also, I'm going to let people keep responding to what we were just saying. Um, but a thought that I have while you're talking is, uh, the Buddhist idea of self and no self. It's like the idea of identity. In Buddhism, there's the term Atman, which is the soul or the self, the identity. And so there's a level of enlightenment in realizing yourself, realizing in this birth, I am, like you were saying, you know, like in your case, white, straight, cisgendered male. You know, there's an enlightenment in realizing the true depth of that birth, of that self. And there's an enlightenment in the Anatman, which is the no self, in stepping back. And and being decentered in, in Pete Rollins' language, yeah. and and stepping back from it, and almost seeing from an alien perspective, wow, you know, I I am you know privileged this this and that, or even I do have these these predispositions, you know, and, and things like that. And so, yeah, it, it is an interesting balance. You touched on that a little bit. I think that's something that you could even talk about more is the balance between embracing your identity, you, uh, uh, in it and not of it, I guess, yeah. sort of thing. Uh, embracing it and also um, stepping back and being decentered from it. And, and before you read another question, just another thought as I had is that also like giving up my identity as like Jew versus Gentile, and then I would be kind of more seen in that Jewish position, but also the Gentile because often we. Um, I also think there's a hierarchy of suffering, you know, um, where sometimes we get in this competition of who suffered more, and we create a hierarchy there. Yeah, and so I think there's this constant. Wanted to be on top, and I think what this is 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 in a way just trying to be a great equalizer. What mm-hmm. is there any questions? Yeah, um, a, a lot more discussion than questions specifically. Um, uh, Ray responded, kind of going through the same thread about uh, addressing the lack and it bringing us together. Ray says, "I agree with this, but how do we get people to meet us in the gap of the lack? People generally fear admitting to the lack." I don't know how it's done as, as far as, I mean, except for what we're doing with revolution and having the conversation. Um, and we obviously can't force anybody to get here. I know that when I share this type of ideas on social media, I get a lot of pushback um, from everybody. And so it is really tough. It's, it's hard work. We do hard work and we think deeply and we try to encourage others to do hard work and think deeply too. And sometimes we confront others. You know, I often will, if I see a leader, um, that I respect saying something that I find that's contradictory to this work uh, or hurting their work or hurting others, you know, I might reach out to them online and say, hey, you know, what about this and this and this and push back a little bit um, to try to get a conversation going, even if it's like, hey, let's talk on the DM or let's talk on the cell phone, or, you know, whatever, let's FaceTime. Um, so there are times where I push back and I think we have to push back, but I think we also have to talk about this stuff. You know, we have to read books. And I don't just read this. I read tons of books. We have to think differently. We have to ask the hard questions. We have to attend communities that are willing to do this. Um, We have to start communities that are willing to do this. You know, I I think one of the things that revolution does is we encourage people to get out of their comfort zone and, and, and 
in some ways put themselves in danger. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, a place where you might be bullied, where you might be hurt, or you might do that. But the idea is, is doing it for the greater good so that the person behind you isn't hurt or isn't bullied or isn't doing that. And I don't think everybody can do that, and I don't, don't recommend everybody do that. But I do know that some of you can do it and that we're called to do that and to create these spaces. It shouldn't just be revolution. You're going, well, who can do this? Well, I can't do this. I agree with you. Start a church in your community. Mm. Well, how do I do that? Find a bar. Find a coffee shop. Revolution's never had a building. We have a very low budget. As a matter of fact, we didn't really meet our budget this past month, you know, and it was really tough. But we continue to do it. We continue to go through the struggle and, and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And we create these communities, you know, and we continue to talk about this. We share each other. We, we listen to good podcasts and we share those podcasts. We, you know, read good books and we recommend those books. Um, we go to the bar and have good conversations. Um, we speak out, you know, I don't know, one of you might be the next Billy Graham of radical theology, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's just one person or the next MLK of whatever, you know, and, um, uh, you know, you take this message. What do you do? You do it. You live it. You know, you don't let scapegoating continue to go on. You speak out against scapegoating. You speak out against these, these identities and you go, no, I, well, this you can't sum me up by this. You know, we have hard conversations. We think, we work hard, we communicate with others. You know, it, it, we do that, you know, rather than just cookie cutter life. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I've got this, I don't have time to do this, I need to go to Starbucks to get my drink, I need to do my nine to five, I need to do this, I need to put the kids to bed. I get it. I've got my kids 60% of the time, you know, and with this thing going on right now, that means there's no daycare. I'm with them all the time. It's hard to read a book. It's hard to think. It's hard to have a conversation. But you know what? I've got this hour here to sit down and encourage you. And what am I doing? I have a cell phone, and I'm on Facebook Live. How do we do that? Well, I turn it on, push a button, and I have the conversation. Cool. Um, Selena had a few comments that I wanted to uh, read through real quick. I'm, I'm sure you might have some responses to. Uh, first one she said a while back here was pol- polarization and a political binary is not serving us as a society. I've never been one or the other. Life is gray. It's okay to just be human. I think we can acknowledge our shared humanity if we find God in everyone and in the least expected places. And then she also said, I think it's a challenge for people that had to hide their identity, like queer people, most of their life, trying to put an identity in the back seat and meet other humans where they are is very challenging. Black and white thinking is the easier route. What practices or tools do you suggest to folks to start unpacking the binary and identity stratification? What kinds of things would stretch us and spur us on more empathy and compassion. Big question. That's a big question. I mean, I know that empathy is something that's hard to empathize with people. I've always been very empathetic, but I feel like it was something I was born with. So I, I don't always tell people to be empathetic because I don't know if it's how possible it is. But I think compassion is com- possible, and I think finding the rare moments of you know, I'll use pol- politics as an example is like. You know, um, you know, like seeing 
seeing the humanity in, in conservatives, you know, um, when I want to be like, you know, people want to scapegoat them as being all bad and not caring about women's rights or not thinking that. But we can all think of a parent or a grandparent or a brother or a sister who are, you know, probably salt of the earth but don't agree with us politically. Um, that's the beginning of that compassion. That's the beginning of, uh, of empathy, of seeing like, okay, not everybody who thinks like me, um, you don't have to just think like me or agree with me to be a good, loving person or compassionate person. Um, you know, just being so, you know, willing to sit down and, and think about it. The fact that we're just having this conversation is, uh, is part of how we do it, you know? I don't have, I mean, that's a deep question. I'd like yeah. to think on a little bit more. Maybe I'll, I'll hit you up later on the, in the comments. Um, yeah, lots, uh, lots of good discussion between people, which well, that's we love, great. We that's love to I'd see that. I'd rather have that, you know, Yeah, because I don't have all the answers. Let's go out maybe with one more comment here. Uh, Joanne says, as a senior citizen who by this point of life has experienced the death of so many I loved, elderly whose days were done, what I have witnessed is each one of us become one sentence that is spoken as a summation of our whole existence. Wow, that's deep. We write this one sentence our whole life through. So, being mentally, spiritually, physically aware our whole life as to what is the core of our being. That's great. You know, that's something um, Nietzsche talks about that, about how there's not really a core self, but what we're doing is, is painting expressions of ourselves they want to be a consistent character at the end of our lives. Yeah, like what do you want on your tombstone? Right. Yeah. We're cr- constantly creating ourselves as sentences, as, uh, was it Joanne? Put it, that was very deep. Thank you well, for sharing well, that, Joanne. That was super deep. Yeah. That was well, lovely. We can all learn that. I mean, honestly, another way we can learn this is talking to people who, talking to people who are senior citizens, to folks who are older than us, you know, people who've lived a long life. Um, Sometimes they may have missed it, but other times they may have really gotten something. But unfortunately, in this society, we ignore the elderly and often put them in homes and don't sit down and learn from them and then continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over again because we put, you know, grandma and grandpa in the home and we'll go see them, you know, for, for an hour a week. But maybe that hour a week should be spent like, what were the most important learnings you learned in life? What mattered and what didn't matter, you know? Um, I think you can find out a lot of that. And I don't think you have to read theology or philosophy to understand that. Um, was there any hard pushback? Not really. Okay. You got to try harder next time. I thought dude. I saw some pushback, but I guess maybe I missed well, it. Well, you know what? I missed the first half of the feed because you're you're streaming from your personal oh, thing right now. okay. That's why I couldn't find it. You're not on the revolution. So I, I can't see the first half of the reactions so all right well everybody thank you so much for oh how- but hey they what? can send them to q a with jay yeah we do this new thing now q a with jay so if you got a pushback here and it wasn't talked about or i didn't talk about it and you really wanted me to talk about it me and uh, caleb have restarted up q a with jay um where you can send your questions whatever they are if they're referred to a certain topic or sermon or something ask me about it let me know what sermon it was just so i can try to remember um recall um and i'll answer the questions or respond i mean i don't have all the answers um so questions for revolution at gmail so yeah you can send that to questions for revolution at gmail 
So questions for revolution at Gmail, and then we'll do a Q&A with Jay, which we'll put up on Facebook and uh, try to put it on Instagram and try to put it on all different places. Eventually, we want to put it on the website. So, yeah, we'll do that. Um, I hope you guys have a, um, a great Sunday, and thanks for sharing it with us. And, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with, you know, um, we're all going through a real rough time right now with this quarantine, and God knows what's going to happen in the future. It is, this is tough. So just uh, keep your head above water. Keep talking to each other online. Um, we're going through it too, but I really believe that um, my mom used to always sing the song, You Can Make It. And um, we used to kind of say that from faith, you know, I think it was more like because we were doing really great. But after living through a lot of what I've gone through and suffering is, I think we can do it through experience. Um, I say it from experience. I, you can make it. And even my darkest hour, um, I'm grateful that I lived through it, even though that was a failed attempt on my own life that I take. I greatly that I failed at that because I find things did get better. So no matter how hard the situation is you're in right now, mm. um, things do get better. And if you go like, Jay, all I can think about is this depression or this darkness or being alone. Um, well, I just gave you a bunch of crap to, to think about, you know, and, and that's what I've done. Uh, I'll jump into theology and, and philosophy and what I found is that I found hope in some of that stuff as well and uh, found ways to deal with this stuff. So we love you guys and uh, stay strong out there and be safe and um, stay home if you can and wear a mask when you go out. Love you all. See ya. Bye-bye. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like The Sacred Collective. Can I ask, were you fully buying into that up until the point that you were 13? Was that just like, did you just well, kind of assume that? Well, those are some weird that? years, but yeah, yeah I did. Mm-hmm. I did believe all of it, yeah. you know? I really only started questioning it around that age. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I didn't, I, I didn't want to leave, but I was scared to leave. Mm-hmm. And so, like, those four years in high school was just kind of like up and down, up and down, because it was very emotional for me. And mm-hmm. uh, a compounding factors, I have an anxiety and panic disorder. Mm-hmm. And so... Not only am I considering if God is not real, I'm also considering, am I going to hell? Yeah. That does not play well with anxiety. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. like, it mm-hmm. was really traumatic to be considering these choices and considering these options and not trusting myself and then and then kind of feeling like I had to double down. Mm-hmm. So a lot of high school was just like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm an atheist. Ah! And then everyone wants to debate me. Because I'm in a Christian bubble. Right, yeah. So I'm just getting emails all day long. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, hey, what right. questions do you have about the Bible? Right. Let's rip it out. Yeah, Let's yeah, do it yeah. right it's here, a, right it's now. It's apologetics, which is like a whole culture, really. Like, oh, we have an answer to any question oh, yeah. you could have. Yeah, you it's just on let tap. me know. Let you us know. Just, I've got it all yeah. figured out. Don't mm-hmm. you worry about yeah. it. Yeah, fuck it. Mm-hmm. Fuckity fuck. But yeah, so people wanted to debate me, and I was like, first you have to prove that there's a God and then you have a whole lot of work after mm-hmm. that to and prove that that God specifics. is this character that's presented to you in these scriptures. There's a, there's a lot of burden yeah. on them to do that and so I just kept on getting frustrated and hitting my head against the wall yet at the same time feeling still pulled towards the religion because of my dependency on it. Um, so, so I internalized all that. I internalized the shame of mm. not 
for of it not making sense to me. That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>